Welcome in to the Fantasy Football Fathers Podcast, where only one of us is an actual father and none of us are priests. <laughs> my name is James Dreer. My beard did not crack all the way there, so I had to finish the job. Um, I'm joined, as always, by Tyler Big Herbie Herbach. What up? And Trey Stinky Fangs Jose. Hola, mis amigos. Or hello to all the white folk. <laughs> Bye, friends. <laughs> Diversity <laughs> on this show is what you get. Um, welcome into the show. We're going over our rookie wide receivers uh, for the 2023 class pre-NFL draft. Uh, going to be going through uh, the wide receiver position, all the top guys, or at least our top five kind of consensus wide receivers heading into this draft and talk about uh, our beliefs as them as just players, their profiles, um, who we think profiles to uh, hopefully excel at the next level and depending on where they go, be fantasy relevant. So uh, that's that's what we're getting into today. If you're looking for running backs or quarterbacks, uh, those shows have been recorded. So those are in previous episodes. Um, as always, hit us up on Twitter at the FF Fathers, and uh, we appreciate y'all listening. So, if that's that, should we just get right into it? Um, actually, you want to talk about this whole gambling situation real quick? I love gambling. So, it came out today the NFL suspended five players for gambling on college football. Uh, the biggest name, obviously, would be the receiver, Jameson Williams, from the Lions. Him, I can't remember who all, what all the other names are. Honestly, they were kind of nobodies. But Jameson is out for the first six games of the season. Somebody else was out for the first six games as well. Then three guys were suspended indefinitely, which means at least one season. Yeah. Were they all from the same locker room? Because I know you were saying they were betting from the the locker room. Yeah, so I think three I think of the players receivers. were Lions. They weren't all for the Lions, though. Um, I think three are on the, on the Lions teams. Two were from another team, I think. But yeah, they were yeah. betting on these games from the Lions facilities. I mean, you're, it's illegal to like it's illegal for them to gamble on any games. Um, just being part of the NFL, but to be so dumb to do it within the team facilities, just I like. What are you thinking? <laughs> I don't know, man. Pretty dumb, especially since Calvin just got uh, suspended for a year. I don't know why you would even risk that. Yeah, I mean, and Trey said something uh, before we started saying basically the same thing. My only retort to that is the NFL is specifically trying to make billions of dollars off of gambling by starting to promote it and partnering with Caesars and things like that. So I can see why they might not have been as heavy handed this time as they were with Calvin Ridley, which was now a couple of seasons ago. Well, I think a couple of them didn't they get like year and banishment? Like they have to reapply after the year. Not Jameson, well, but the other two. Three of them, sure. yeah. But the the other three were the same suspension that Calvin got, where it was indefinite suspension, yeah. which means it's at least a season. It could be longer. Um, so I guess you know it could be banishment if the NFL really wanted to be that way, but it seems unlikely. I mean, officially, it does say they can't apply for reinstatement until a year from now. Okay, so they're actually applying for. I didn't know that, but I'm sure 
Calvin Ridley had to do the same thing. You had to apply for reinstatement once the NFL allows you to. Damn. So Quintez Cephas is a defensive back for the Lions? No, he's a receiver. Okay, well, he got a year suspension, and the Lions released him minutes after those suspensions were announced. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I'm pretty sure he was, like, just barely a special teams player at this point. So They have a deep locker was... room, so yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. Um, and also, I wouldn't be surprised if the Lions did something else to punish Jameson as well. I mean, Dan Campbell's there trying to really promote a good culture, and this is the same old Lions, you know, bullshit that they put up with for the last 50 years. I don't know about you, but a good culture involves gambling to me. (laughs) (laughs) That would kind of suck though. If you're, you know, in a state that it's legal and you can't gamble on anything at all, you know, from your phone, like that's tough. And it's It's one thing when you have to, yeah, playoffs, all that. It's one thing when you have to actually go to a casino and, you know, physically go somewhere, but the ease of use on the phone is just so uh, appealing. Yeah, well, I mean, you mentioned the NBA playoffs, but they all got caught betting on college football. So this this investigation was actually underway months ago. And they just finally came out saying they were suspending these guys. Oh, okay, I thought it was recent, like they were betting on the NBA I'll just say this, living in, you know, Washington where we can't bet on our phones, I probably saved so much money not taking <laughs> yeah. the 30 minute drive in any direction to the reservation to fucking bet on these games. <laughs> yeah, seriously. That's it's a slippery slope for sure. All right. Uh what else? Anything else newsworthy? Nah. Not not really. NFL draft is approaching. A bunch of bullshit. Oh, being hold on. J- Jalen signed his big ass contract. Yeah. Oh yeah. So J- Jalen signed the largest contract in NFL history. At least on a per uh, season basis at fifty one million dollars a year. Got a hundred just under one hundred eighty million dollars fully guaranteed. And then right after that came out, uh, Ian Rappaport of NFL.com came out and said that the Ravens have actually already offered Lamar Jackson two hundred million guaranteed, mm-hmm. and he still hasn't taken that deal. So, obviously, this seems like probably the benchmark for any Lamar Jackson deal that happens. Um, but it seems weird that Lamar wouldn't sign a deal that had $20 million more guaranteed. Even if it's not fully guaranteed, it's $200 million, for God's sakes. I think they offered him that a while ago, before Jalen ever got re-signed. Um, and so, I, I think at that point, when they offered him that contract, he wanted more than Deshaun. And just like wouldn't accept anything less. You know what he needs to do? Go get a couple massages. <laughs> be a little creepy. Get that extra thirty million. <laughs> thirty five because <laughs> he wants more. <laughs> Seemed to work for someone. Uh okay. all right. <laughs> Let's get into uh the receivers then, huh? Um yeah. Should we start from the bottom and work our way up to the top? Start from the bottom um, now we here or what? Well, I think we have a consensus number one, so maybe we should start from the top. Okay. Yeah, uh yeah, JSN, uh Jackson Smith, the Jigba. He's 
basically the consensus for everyone uh, as the top wide receiver in this class. Um, in my opinion, I think he's a tier above everyone else. Um, 6'1", 191 pounds. Uh, do one of you guys want to go into your spiels? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in the simplest terms, in 2021, he was in a wide receiver room that included Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, who were both first-round picks that season, and Marvin Harrison Jr., who is probably going to be the first receiver taken out of next year's draft. And Jackson Smith and Jigba was the best receiver out of all of them. That's insane. You're talking about four first round picks, a couple, well, at least one of them, a top 10 guy. And he's considered better than all of them. Mm-hmm. And just pure talent alone. That's crazy. I mean, you can run through his stats. Obviously, I know last year he was only played like 62 total snaps, only had five catches, hit a hamstring injury that just wouldn't go away. And so they find they sound down after the first few games of the, of the season. But going back to the season four. He had 95 catches for 1,600 yards and nine touchdowns. Those are absurd numbers, even in college. And when uh, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave sat for the bowl game against Utah in the Rose Bowl, he went insane. 15 catches, 347 yards, and three touchdowns. Like, are you kidding me? You're talking about a welcome. That was a Rose Bowl record. Yeah, one that might not be broken. Like, those are absolutely insane numbers. So, and when it comes to, you know, his, him as a prospect, other than just pure production, which he's shown, he's not like the craziest athlete as a receiver, but he's really good at everything. Um, he's going to be, he, he's a good route runner. He could tighten some things up that way, but he has quick feet, good explosion. He can play the slot, but he can also play outside if need be. Um, he's just one of those guys that I don't, I don't think it's going to matter what offense you put him into. He's going to produce. Yeah, I think he's. I had that he was an elite separator and a uh, really good body control. The only thing that I've kind of noticed and that I think a lot of other people have too, is that he doesn't have the real top end, like elite speed, but he's still plenty fast enough. So um, he's by far my best receiver in this class. Yeah. I'm totally with you guys. This class is, or at least like these top five, to seven guys I was looking at, it seemed extremely close. And he's the only person that really stood out. And I was like, okay, so he's he's the obvious number one. Two to five to me, they're all really, really close. And not only did we think he's the best best receiver out of, you know, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and Marvin Harrison Jr., that CJ Stroud literally said that last year. He was like, he is the best wide receiver in this room. So I think that speaks a lot. And he definitely has the, like the biggest chance to make an immediate impact if we're talking like uh redraft leagues you can probably get him in a good round dynasty he has good long-term potential everything about him is nice i know you said his route running is a little lacking but even that it's not even lacking that's like his only downfall i think so i like him he's definitely like the person i'm targeting I don't know if I would 100% agree with the route running. I think he's pretty good route runner. Like, yeah, no, no I didn't say like, seen, he's a he poor separates route runner. better than anyone else in this class. So, no, though he, he does. It's just that some of the things he can get a little lazy on with his footwork, and so he just needs to tighten it up and be a little more consistent that route that way. But other than that, I mean, I'm not thinking. I'm not saying he's a bad route runner, and he needs to come in and really work on that by any means. No, it's like trying to critique like a sports car. You're just trying to find some kind of negative, and it's not even a negative, really. 
And he has so good in, size. 6'1", 191. Out of all these guys that we talk about, he has like the most solid size for a receiver besides being like a tank like someone else we're going to talk about here in a bit. Yeah, there's definitely some smaller guys uh, at the top of the list. Uh, would you guys say he's locked in as your kind of 102 in rookie drafts in uh, single quarterback leagues? Yeah, definitely. Receivers are super valuable, and you, you definitely need somebody like that on your dynasty team, I think. So, so you would take him over Gibbs? That's my only... I think that's the only consideration. It's, it's got to be Jackson or Gibbs out of Alabama, the running back. Yeah. Um, I think... I think I would lean Jackson right now, but if Gibbs ends up in a better situation than Jackson does, then maybe you know you flip those. And we're just like obviously Bijan Robinson's going one one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Sense. Just making sure. <laughs> well, let's move on because I think we got some different guys here at two. Um. I had Jordan Addison. Tyler, you also had Jordan Addison. And Trey did not have Jordan Addison. He had Quentin Johnson. So kind of makes uh, Jordan Addison, I guess, our consensus number two. Uh, out of USC, 5'11", 173 pounds. Um, what do you guys think of Jordan Addison? I'm curious because Trey had him down a little, a little lower. Yeah, I think, Trey, you had him at three or four. Yeah, should I just start off by, I'll, I'll be the first one to talk about him. Sure. Um, yeah. Like I said before, two to five to me, it's it's extremely close between all these guys. Jordan Addison could be my number two. The only reason he's not is because I think that Quentin Johnson and Zay Flowers have a higher floor. But Jordan Addison all around just looks extremely impressive. And like I was saying about uh, JSN, I think Jordan Addison, he's probably prepped besides JSN to make an immediate impact out of all these guys that we're going to talk about. He has a skill set coming in. like He's definitely prepared to be in the NFL. But I think his ceiling is just a little bit lower than the two guys I have higher than him. He won the Fred Belenikoff Award two years ago, which goes to the best receiver in college football. And he, yeah, that's rightfully so. He deserved it. He, he's definitely good. And like I said, all these guys, two to five for me, are extremely close. But I, I like everything that I saw from him. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I have Jordan at two. I think because he is more prepared than I think Quentin Johnson and Zay Flowers are to be to make an impact early in this league. He's definitely the best the best uh, route runner in the class. I think he could go in right now and teach a lot of NFL guys how to run routes better. So, I mean, he gets in and, in and out of his breaks with super just crazy ease. He knows how to use uh, defenders' leverages, leverages against them, so he can always make separation that way. He's a really smart route runner. And I know he's a, he's a little undersized, but and that can hurt him a little, against, a little bit against physical corners. But I don't well, don't let that fool you. Like He played inside and outside throughout college. Um, honestly, when I look at his tape, he looks just like Tyler Lockett to me. Yeah, I've heard that comparison. That. Yeah, I've seen that. Um, I agree. I mean, really, the only knock on him is his size, in my opinion. Um, the reason I had him at two is I think he's another elite separator. Um, and I think that is super, super value, um, valuable and important when, um, you know, talking about will, will someone's skills transfer to the NFL? If they can 
separate at an elite level in college, they should be able to uh, get good separation in the NFL as well. So, um, yeah, I think he did, you know, a little bit of everything well, four four nine speed at the NFL Combine. He felt like a really kind of complete receiver outside of just being a small human. <laughs> but uh, his play style, you know, fits with that. Um, he, you know, if he can stay healthy, um, and we can say that for anybody, but obviously, you know, you hope he can bulk up maybe a little bit. But um, to me, he felt like the second most kind of complete receiver uh, to, you know, transfer into the NFL. Yeah, I mean, and with his size, going into an NFL weight room and conditioning and nutrition that way, don't be surprised that come even year two, maybe year three, you see him 12 to 15 pounds heavier than he is now. Yeah, as I say, I can see him getting like to 190 once everything fills out. Which basically puts him where Jackson Smith and Jigba already is at. Yeah, so. a little bit. Yeah. All right, um, let's move on then. Um, up next, I had Zay Flowers at three. Trey, you did as well. And Tyler, you did as well. So uh, we're all in agreement there. Zay Flowers at three. Tell me what you like about big play Zay. I mean, he's an athletic freak. He is so fast. His burst and acceleration are off the charts. Um uh, the only thing that kind of worries me is that a lot of times he used that as that athleticism to gain separation in routes versus proper route running and proper footwork. That was my biggest uh, kind of downgrade for him that way. Uh, obviously, going to the NFL, that could change very quickly with better coaching. The one thing that I do like about Zay Flowers, though, too, is that he had the chance to leave Boston College, which is not a very esteemed program by any means and he had the chance to go to a bigger school with a better quarterback and he chose to stay and stick it out so i kind of like that he has that kind of mindset that he's like no this is where i chose i'm gonna you know make sure that this team's as good as it can be with me you know being on it so i do like that he's great after the catch he's pretty thin i mean he's a weighs 182 pounds is more than addison but he's almost seems like he plays at on a thinner frame it's it's weird to to say like he didn't seem to to get through tackles very well um obviously not the biggest deal with how how fast he is but contested catches can be a problem for him um he does track the deep ball very well though so if he has a step on a guy he's gonna get underneath the ball well make sure he comes down with it but contested catches can be a problem with him yeah the size is a little concerning but goddamn, when this guy gets the ball that run after the catch is it's pretty scary that was the biggest thing that popped off the film when I was watching him. Like I thought he had one of, if not the best, skill sets for running after the catch in this draft, which really goes a long way in the NFL because not everyone's you know averaging more than maybe like seven yards downfield per target. You know, so you're trying to get that run after the catch, so you're really getting the full potential out of every every play. When I was watching this, I don't know if you guys saw this, but I saw like some Antonio Brown. Antonio was a really good route runner, though. That yeah. would definitely be like a ceiling comp for sure. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I could he see could it be that as guy. far as the profile. Yeah. I mean, we have to remember Kinda, Antonio Brown's what, like a fifth or sixth round draft pick? Like he had to develop into what he was. He wasn't like that out of college. So mm-hmm. kind of reminded me of Jahan Dotson a little bit. 
uh, from last year. Yeah, that's a good but one. I think he'll, you know, um, probably get drafted in the second round. Um, so there'll be some decent draft capital spent on him. Um, so he should be able to get some some work, you know, right from the get go. Hopefully, um, hopefully he goes to a good situation. But I mean, yeah, he's he's a he's a player, man. Another guy that I thought was um, one of the kind of elite route runners in this in this class. You know, he broke what every single receiving record I think at Boston College. Um, yeah, receptions, yards, receiving touchdowns, touchdowns in a single season and single season receptions. <laughs> he holds all those records now. So he's an That's exciting player, man. You have a uh, no-name quarterback throwing you the ball. Yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you this, Ty, because you know way too much about college football, and you're our local rain man. Who's the last good Boston College receiver? Yeah, I, could, I couldn't answer that. Couldn't do it. That's all right. Do you I'll have think... someone lined up to let me know? Or... No, 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 I don't. But... <laughs> I mean, the, I think he has—he has a ceiling, I think, to be a number one receiver. You know. Oh, for Which, sure. I mean, this I league is so all different these guys now. Do. Yeah. I mean, because it used to be—I mean, we're about to talk about him, so I might as well say like, not everyone needs to be a Quentin Johnson type, where they're six three, over two hundred pounds, to be a number one receiver. This league has changed so much that you see all kinds of guys being like Tyree Kill is a great example, who's very small, but he uses his speed to an advantage that no one can touch. Um, all right, let's talk about Quentin Johnson then. Um, I had him at four. He's kind of risen and fallen in a lot of rankings, um, kind of rose and fell for me as well as I watched a little bit more tape, but, um, yeah, I had him at four. Trey, you had him at two and Tyler, you had him at four as well. So Quentin Johnson out of TCU, 208 pounds, six foot three. He's definitely that prototypical, um, you know, outside wide receiver um, that we've kind of been used to um, for a long time in the NFL. So I guess let's start, um, Trey, let's start with you since you have Quentin at two still. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I feel like I was getting a little risky with this one, but I just loved everything I saw about his tape. His size, obviously, is really, you know, it, it grabs your eye with him being 6'3", 208. He ran a 4'5", at the Combine, which is really impressive for his size. And every time I was watching him run with the ball in his hands, I was getting, like, Derrick Henry vibes, honestly. <laughs> it's it, it literally looked like I was just, like, watching a, a receiver version of him. And another thing that I really liked is his run after the catch. It's hard to explain, but um, say he's running like a curl route, you know, or basically a comeback route. He does this thing where, like, when he's coming down, he plants extremely hard and just does this 180 and has like a sixth sense on which way to spin. And it consistently worked for him. Obviously, it's working at the college level. It's probably not going to work at the NFL level. But you can tell when he gets the ball in his hands, he's just like, all right, I'm coming down and I'm going upfield, like, every single time. So I really liked all of that, you know. It, Obviously, he has great acceleration. Everything about it, I like. He's a little raw, but I like his, his ceiling and his long-term potential a lot. Yeah. Uh, I will say, 
you know, the size is obviously an attractive trait. Um, and I, I agree with you. He is definitely that of a tank. Um, definitely a freak athlete. Um, the, the issues for me when watching the tape were, were that he was kind of a bit of like, he caught the ball with his body a lot, which kind of, instead of, you know, getting it with his hands, uh, which kind of negated his size advantage at times. And then there were a, a decent amount of drops. And so drops are kind of a, a red flag, but, um, other than that, I mean, yeah, he, he, you know, the sky's the limit really. If he can fix those, those are fixable things, you know, so you can't teach six three two oh eight and speed and <laughs> athleticism. You can't, and you guys, you know, hit all those on the board. The one thing that popped out to me the most on tape is he's a long strider. And so coming off the line when he has a cushion, I mean, he eats up that space in the blink of an eye. You get him on crossing routes and posts, he easily separates. Um, my biggest concern with him actually was that his production was like a roller coaster this season. He would completely disappear from games, most notably the national championship game where he had one catch for three yards. That's yeah, TCU's that's- number one target. That's not, that's a problem having one catch for three yards. And if you go back, I mean, even to the beginning of the season, his <clears throat> first four games, three catches, 22 yards, two catches, 22 yards, three catches, 29 yards, four catches, 41 yards. It's like, like where are you at that whole time? Then he finally has a couple of big games, good games. He scored a touchdown, five straight games. Then before uh, the, the college football playoff and the uh, big 12 championship game, he only had four catches for 48 yards. So like, it seems like in the bigger games, he kind of wasn't around. He was great in the semifinal game uh, against Kansas state and Michigan, both against Kansas, Kansas state and Michigan were great, but like some of these bigger games, he just, it's completely taken off the field. I don't know what was going on with that. And that's my concern. Ah, you guys are making me want to adjust my rankings a little bit, but I'm standing firm. No, it's good. And honestly, <laughs> when we first start, when I first started doing this, I kind of have an initial rankings and then I start watching tape and I adjust my rankings as I watch. Um, and I did have Quentin Johnson as my number two receiver, but after watching tape of him versus the other guys and then seeing where the production standpoint was, I moved them down to four. I would say this. I think, you know, if you break these guys down into tiers, like I have JSN, I think in a tier by himself. And then I would probably put Addison flowers and Quentin Johnson all in like the next tier. And then the third tier is basically the rest uh, of the notable guys that you can talk about, but like yeah, those three I guys, I, th- I think they all have a shot to be, you know, elite playmakers, but they all have little things, downsides to their game. So I think that's how I would tear it out. If I had tier rankings, I'd probably expand that second tier a little bit, but I basically agree with you. It gets very tight after JSN. He's it's clear cut number one, kind of like with the running backs. We're talking about Bajan Robinson, and who the fuck else do we care about? <laughs> <laughs> all right, um, at number five, I think we all had different guys, or nope. Uh, I had Jalen Hyatt. So does Trey, and then Tyler has Josh Downs. So a little bit of a little bit of a difference there. Um, Tyler, you want to tell us why you have Josh Downs? Yeah. Um, honestly, I loved his tape. Watching him, I mean, he's small. He's 5'9", 171. He's, he's small. His stature's not great. But 
but he's an absolute monster when it comes to the production level. He had 90 catches over a thousand yards each of the last two seasons. No other receiver that we're going to even mention comes close to that. He shows great quickness um, in his, in getting in on his breaks during his routes. He also has great uh, top end speed to break off big plays. Um, his game tape, he didn't run the best 40. I don't remember exactly what it is, especially for someone of his size, but his tape shows a lot faster than when he ran on track. So I'm okay with that. Um, I, I'd rather see speed on the, on tape than I do you know, when they're in underwear. Um, and so even though he's undersized, he gets pushed around a little bit, but the dude plays <laughs> super tough. Uh, he just, I mean, he's actually great at contested catches. He's one of the better ones in this entire, what are you guys laughing at? <laughs> the, the underwear thing got me. <laughs> I mean, that's what, I was like, that's what, that's what, the underwear. um, but he's actually really good at making contested catches much better than you'd ever expect someone his size to do. Uh, he can be a little freelance in his routes. Um, and so there's, that's a little concerning where he would kind of just, go off and do his own thing, which with a quarterback that you're completely in tune with, you can do that, but it's going to be tough for him to do that as you know a rookie in the league. And the other thing that I really liked about him, it reminded me a lot of Devon A-Chain, the running back we talked about at A&M, where like, even they're small, they have no problem putting their hat in there, lowering their hat, you know, doing whatever they need. They play tough as hell. They don't care that they're small. And I, I just love that kind of attitude in a player. Yo, is this this year's Sky Moore? Oh, remember how much we loved him last year? Like Skymore still has mad potential, and we saw it towards like when the playoffs were coming around. He was used a lot more for the Chiefs, but similar profile and everything that you were saying kind of reminded me of how we felt about Skymore last year. And maybe yeah. I just a little hesitant because we were so in on him, and we got pretty screwed at least in the first year. We had him in dynasty. It's not like we were drafting him in redrafts. But well, it was especially yeah. once he went to the Chiefs. That's when everyone kind of lost their shit. We're like, oh my god, you know. He's in the perfect situation because they didn't really have a guy at receiver. So <laughs> they still don't. And they still don't. I mean, they have Kelsey, but that's all they need, apparently. Um, Wait, Juju is not the answer. Juju's not there. He's, he's not, not even on the team. He's in New England. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why. That's why I was, te- I was testing you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Trey and I both had Jalen Hyatt, a uh, receiver out of Tennessee, six feet tall, 185 pounds. Um, I had Jalen Hyatt at five just because I thought he was an elite playmaker. Um, I think he has a really high ceiling, um, probably a lower floor than a Josh Downs right now, but I think a higher ceiling. Um, he was expected you know, obviously showed elite speed on tape and burnt people down the field left and right, made big play after big play um, where it, you kind of get hung up on it is he ran a four four forty, and people were expecting him to be in the four threes, maybe even like a four two nine. Um, but I was reading a report that said apparently um, at Tennessee's pro day, um, Hyatt explained that his hamstring tightened up before his first attempt at the 40 at the combine. He actually said, my hamstring got a little tight before I ran the 40-yard dash and the, the wide receiver routes. I think it got tight after the vertical we did, and I felt it. But at the combine, I felt like I did pretty good. Um, there were some times I wish I had better time on some things 
blah, blah, blah. But apparently his hamstring was tightened up. So some people were disappointed in the 4-4-40, but I think his tape speaks for itself. Like he was an elite playmaker um, for the, for that offense. And I felt like he ran his nines really, really hard, um, deep routes really, really hard. If If he runs all of his routes with that kind of speed and can tighten things up in his route running, I think he could be a real weapon at six feet tall in the NFL. Yeah, I saw the same thing, honestly. He, he's, a, he's a great deep threat off the bat. And it, well, he scored 15 touchdowns in 12 games last year. He run, he run, he won the Fred Blednikoff Award last year. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it puts him in pretty good company. I was just looking at the last you know 10 years of guys who've won the Blednikoff Award. We already talked about Jordan Addison, who won it last year. The year before that was Devonta Smith, Jamar Chase, Jerry Judy. A couple misses here and there, but we're going back to Amari Cooper in 2014. Brandon Cooks the year before that. Calvin Johnson won it in 2006. Braylon Edwards, 2004. Larry Fitzgerald. Now I'm going really far back, but we're talking like a 60% success rate probably on the guys that I'm not talking about. Where like if you win the Fred Blednikoff Award, you have at least a decent NFL career. So, I mean, that's not the end-all be-all, but I, I really like the fact that he did win that. And we're really spoiled the fact that we're talking about like a four four forty time, and we're like, oh, we're disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's still fast. I think that there were just big expectations uh, for him I because mean, he was so fast on the football field. Like, yeah, I mean, there were definitely rumors that he might break the the combine record of four two seven. So, um, and honestly, yeah, his speed pops off the screen, and I get everything you guys are saying. I, I give you, and he honestly, it was kind of a toss up between him and Josh Downs. I think I just kind of fell in love in Josh with Josh Downs. So I, so I put him at five. I was like, I got to talk about this guy. Um, <laughs> my, my only concern really with Hyatt, similar to what we said with Hendon Hooker, is that the way that their offense was set up, it created a lot of easy plays and a lot of easy releases. And that's my only real concern with him. Yeah. And it sucks that like we have to deal with that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because of their gimmicky offense. Like, we can't get a real true read on um on you know their ability to to read defenses and and make plays on the fly because everything was so structured and and kind of manufactured so but i think the speed speaks for itself uh i think the tape you know is impressive um even in that offense i think you know when you can take the top off a of defense and no one can keep up with you like you know, there's that's just pure speed and athleticism. So I think he's elite at that. I think if he can put it all together, you know, it could be really good. I have a little theory about him because of you know this whole the fact that he can't take the top off of a defense, which obviously allows your run game to open up because you got at least one safety, right? Let's pay attention to this guy. Um like what if he goes to like the Titans, right? So he'd be behind like AJ Brown. It ends up in a decent situation. I'm sorry, what? AJ Brown's what? in Philly, homie. What Not year AJ are we Brown. in? Sorry. <laughs> Is it fucking it. 2020? 2021? Sorry. But I was thinking about like the Titans or someone who's like a run heavy offense and they need someone to take the top off of a defense. And so he could end up in a good position if he goes to one of these teams that is like a run heavy offense and there's not that many receivers in their locker room that who could really spark any excitement for us, honestly, fantasy wise. Yeah. I mean, my real concern with him is like 
if he becomes just a one trick pony, you know, because that could be the case. And if that happens, he could be a guy that's better for NFL than better than for fantasy, you know, Um, because you can't rely on on that type of inconsistency in fantasy for the most part. Um, At least he'll never be a consistent starter for you. You know, but I think if he goes to like a really aggressive offensive scheme with a quarterback that can throw the deep ball, I mean, that would be best case scenario for him out of the gate. What about like the Henry Ruggs trajectory? Forget <laughs> all the legal trouble he had and the fact that he's not in the league, but first year in the league didn't really do much with the Raiders. Second year was on a really good path after getting some time in an NFL locker room, putting on some extra weight, taking the top off of defenses, and it started to come together for Henry Ruggs. Yeah. It might work out for Jalen Hyatt in that way. No, I yeah, sure. I, I think that's a decent a decent comp, um, except I think Jalen's a little bigger than he was, than Ruggs was, right? I can't remember. No, but I, I, they basically play the same role. You know, you're, you're sitting yeah. downfield just hoping to – distract a couple extra players yeah so it's it'll probably take some time for him to develop but um hopefully he can and be more than just a, a one-trick pony for fantasy for sure. purposes before we uh finish up i actually have one more guy i just want to throw in there and see if you guys did any, any research on him but he's getting some buzz as a back end of first round guy it's jonathan mingo out of old miss you guys do, do you guys look at any of his tape i've yes a little bit i've heard I mean, the dude's he's huge. He's six two two twenty. I mean, he's yeah. he's built very similar to like Anquan Bolden. He ran a decent four. He ran a four four six, pretty good at that size. Um, he doesn't create the best separation from his routes, but he runs his routes pretty crisply, and he knows how to use his body to shield off defenders. And I'm just saying, in recent seasons, Ole Miss has put out a pretty damn good pedigree for receivers with AJ Brown and DK Metcalf. Jonathan Mingo could be that next guy at Ole Miss that comes in and makes a lot more noise than you're expecting him to. That's the first thing I thought when I just looked at a picture of him. I was just like, DK Metcalf? <laughs> Humboy is absolutely ripped. Yeah, he's he's big, man. And That's a good point you put there. Honestly, Ole Miss is definitely kicking out some good wide receivers recently. Which is surprising coming from that you know a program that's never been very esteemed at all in terms of having a su- sustained success not to mention can you even name who was throwing him the ball in the last couple of years probably not because i can't <laughs> you can't I mean, you're the one who watches college football yeah i'm sorry old miss wasn't on the radar a whole lot this year to run a four four six forty though at 220 pounds and six foot two, I mean that's that's kind Move of freaky. Yeah, that's that's a. He also has ten and three eighth inch hands. Big old bear mitts, thirty nine and a half inch vertical jump, ten nine broad jump, so he can leap. Um, yeah, dude, he's a freak athlete. They've actually pushed out some good receivers from Ole Miss. I'm looking back at here. Uh, we can't forget Elijah Moore. Oh yeah, yeah, yep. playing for the Jets. He's definitely on a good trajectory right traded. now. He got traded. God damn it, you guys! <laughs> it's the off season. 
but um Dante Moncrief came out of there not exactly a, a killer guy but you know Mike Wallace did some good stuff for the Steelers years before that they got a nice little pedigree going on here in the last 10 years or so yeah and honestly his athleticism in terms of what his combine numbers actually do lean towards DK a little bit obviously DK's might be the freakiest athlete in the NFL just in terms of his pure numbers but DK was 6'3", 228, ran a 4'3", 3", the 40-inch <laughs> and 11'2", broad jump, which is insane. But, uh, but I mean, Jonathan Mingo's not that far behind for some guy who's basically off. just his size. I mean, if you get anywhere close to, to DK, then you're you're doing something right. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> so DK's a, a not human, probably. So <laughs> He was built in a lab. You think he's related to Barcavius Mingo? That's not a very common last name. You know, I had that thought too. I never looked it up. I'm looking at it right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, his Wikipedia sucks. So, <laughs> we will definitely be circling back on all these guys um, after the NFL draft, all the rookies, and where they land. Um, kind of doing finalized rookie rankings um, after we figure out where they land in the NFL draft. So um, looking forward to the NFL draft, man. I think six days now, six days away. Yep, six yep. days. Thursday. Um, so exciting stuff. We're going to put out a tight end episode pre-NFL draft early next week. So keep your eyes out for that. And then uh, you know, I'm excited. Trey loves a good old tight end. And um, so he's he's going to do <laughs> yes. the whole show himself. <laughs> I'll, do, I'll probably do like a top 30. <laughs> top 30 tight ends. Yep. All right. Um, Just going back to the relationship question. Uh, it's not definitive, but they might be cousins. That's pretty accurate to say about <laughs> some black people. Yeah, uh, I mean, this comes from the very, the very knowledgeable and esteemed forty four bars dot com. <laughs> I'm just Good saying, source. if you're talking about anyone who's not white, anyone could be cousins, man. Yeah, that's my cousin. It's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that'll do it for this episode of. Who's Cousins with Who and the Fantasy Football <laughs> Fathers podcast. Uh, thank you all for listening at the FF Fathers on Twitter. Like, subscribe, rank us five stars or higher. That's all we accept. And we will catch you guys next week for tight ends. And then uh, we'll be discussing everything NFL draft right after the draft. So looking forward to it. Thank you all again. And goodbye. Bye.